Well, one of the things that we've mentioned several times is money or, or as you are fast to remind me, compensation, right? It's not, uh, it's not all money uh, that, that is, is a powerful thing. And let me, let, me, let me do my off-the-cuff opening monologue here. And that is, you're in a large organization. You want, to, uh, you want to make the business more agile with the help of software. You want to enable business agility with software. Uh, and so you've got to change over the culture. You've, you've got a good technology stack. You've got to sort through that. There's all these things you've got to do. But eventually, it comes down to changing the way you're organized, as we've discussed a little bit, changing the way your people work, and also trying to either mitigate the negative effect of the corporate structure that doesn't want to change, or try to change them a little bit when it comes to, you know, like finance and strategy and and those kinds of things. Uh, And one of the things that sort of is always running around the edge of our discussion is like compensation. You know, we did a presentation on these topics back at Spring One Platform so long ago, last year. In, in, <laughs> yeah, uh, a lifetime ago. In Austin. And I sort of, you know, we sort of talked about this very briefly at the end. I don't really know what the answer to all, all of this is, but my basic layup to this is that oftentimes when I read about corporate change or culture change or whatever we call it nowadays, one of the first things that you read is that like people aren't actually motivated by money, right? Like this is very far down of a thing that motivates them. And I always feel like that was written by consultants and managers who are determining what to pay people. Because oh, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, that, because, <laughs> because I, I feel like my sort of snarky reply is like, hey, if you're not motivated by how much you pay, you're paid, I would love to hire you because I have very little money to pay you, right? And so it's like, it's like I like money. So th- there's... This is this is what I was I, I was saying. I just went on a walk and I forgot what I was thinking. But this was the main the main little quippy thing I was thinking is like money doesn't matter as long as you're being paid a lot of it. it it's Maslow's pyramid, right? I mean, if you don't have money, you can't worry about those other things. So it, it yeah, a- absolutely. And and I and I think just to further set it up, right? Like you are, well, lucky for your knowledge base. You'd have to tell me if it's lucky for your life to have worked at both at vendors and enterprises, you know, buyers and sellers. Mm-hmm. I've only ever worked at vendors, right? So the way in a tech company, I guess I've worked for industry analyst groups, which is a little bit of the other side I'll get to. In technology companies, uh, we use money and compensation, I think, pretty well to like make sure that everyone has skin in the game, right? So you get whether it's through options or RSUs or whatever, right? Like you'd get compensation that is directly tied to the business outcomes you're trying to achieve. Um, and so it's sort of like... Maybe, hopefully. Yeah, if it's yes, done yes. ahead, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, obviously people get cheated and swindled or they don't care or or whatever. We You could put it in a positive way. There are some situations where it doesn't matter. And in some... In some larger tech companies, it's not as common as in smaller ones. But the point being that it's a well-known thing, a well-known practice in at tech companies that employees should expect their compensation to be tied to the business success of their organization. And there's kind of like a direct, a direct thing to it. And it's definitely something on the table that you can negotiate with and use. Whereas my impression in large organizations that are not tech companies is that is not the case, <laughs> right? That like, like 
having a share in the success of the organization and therefore in the success of the transformation to le- the digital transformation sharing in that success is not a common thing that that people have outside of the tech world. I think that depends, you know, where you are in the organization. You know, mm. I, I think that uh, if you're on the sales side of an organization, a large organization, yeah, they 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 have a tradition of tying your your compensation to your performance and your performance is directly related to selling things. So, you know, right. commission. So that that works really well. I mean, what you're trying to do and what that does is that drives the behavior that you want. To drive the behavior that you want, you have to know the behavior that you want. So you, you mentioned RSUs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that, and that, you, that, that sounds stupid, but that's, that's hard. No, I, I think, People I think get that's, that wrong. I think that's so, spot on, right? It's the, you know, the, old, the old phrase is, uh, what is it? Shoot, ready, aim? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so the, 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 um, what one, you mentioned RSUs, and that's one place I think most companies, regardless of you know, where they are in vendor or, or enterprise, and a buyer, they get it right. So the behavior they're trying to drive by giving you stock that slowly vests is that you don't leave. <laughs> so the, <laughs> right, and, right. And they've come up with a method of doing that. Let's put this money that they might get, and it's a lot of money if you're lucky, and that'll make them not leave. Yeah. Um, and that's worked successfully. I don't think they've done such a good job in, in, in other areas, driving other behavior. Uh, really anywhere. I've rarely seen um, a long-term view taken so that behavior is driven correctly. And it's all about driving behavior so you get the outcomes you want. And and so so when it comes to compensation, what, I mean, how does it work as far as driving the behavior, right? Like like you went over the sales part. I mean, the sales the sales part is pretty straightforward, right? It's just like, sales is a weird practice. It's basically like you are in charge of bringing this money in. And like, don't break the law. And depending on what you're selling, obviously, but beyond that, it's sort of like, see at the end of the quarter, right? Like, you know, you can check in on like sales reports and like you get an estimate, people's certainty of if they're going to close a deal and like the pipeline and all this stuff. But it's sort of like, and depending on, I mean, again, depending on all this stuff, it might be more technical, but it's very much so like you should manage yourself with like minimal updates that you give to us. Mm-hmm. and just close the deals. Why am I still talking to you? Well, sales is easy, right? I mean, that's an easy way to think the title of the business. If you're a developer, that's that's harder. I mean, what what are you going to, you know, in order to reward someone for something, you have to measure something, right? And this is where I see it messed up a lot. So if you're a developer, sometimes I see them measuring, uh, you know, are you getting things to production? Well, that might not be what you want to measure. Getting something to production, especially if it's, you know, broken, uh, that doesn't actually have anything to do with the business. It could, but it doesn't necessarily. Um, I, I see people measuring a lot quantitative things rather than qualitative things. So, you know, like how many, how many systems do you build? How many things? And then those being used in order to justify bonuses and, um, and stock and, uh, and raises. I, I don't think that that's the right way to do it. And I see that system gamed. I think that's started at the executive level where um, the, the bonuses and the stocks are much higher and they can game the system and choose things that they can hit that are meaningless. Because at, the, at a very high level, when you talk about compensation and motivation, it's almost always money or it's just advancing your career. But they want to make sure they hit those targets. 
right? If you don't hit your target and you don't get your bonus, then that affects, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like looking at these coronavirus graphs, right? If, if, you, if, we, if we get the curve down at the beginning, then it's not going to hit the peak where it was, where it was going to hit if we, di- if we didn't wear our masks and wash our hands. Um, so they're, they're worried about that. They're worried about losing their career trajectory. They're losing about, worried about losing their bonus. Um, so that's easy. Um, that's an easy one to figure out. Now, fixing it, that, that's a lot harder. Yeah, well, let's talk about that a little while. Like, so on, on the ground, so to speak, a lot of what what what, what we talk about in, in our discussions here is like, uh, we want to do a more product driven way of doing software, right? We've got these teams of people working on software that like, runs the business It you know, uh, it's the way you interact with the business. And like we we're saying last time, it's the the storefront or the primary channel or whatever, right? And so to your point, like, if you're the develop the the product team developers and whatever else you have, how do you measure if you're doing a good job? <laughs> right? Like, like there is, I, I always think of, and I think this is sort of limited, but I think of measurements as two types, like in this context, like performance metrics and like business metrics and the performance ones were like what you were saying, like how often you release, there's sort of also like availability and like number of failures that you deploy, right? Just sort of like the health, the technical health of the thing. Whereas business is like, are we making money? It's not only that, but it's things like if someone calls into a call center, we resolve their call in three minutes instead of 30, because that leads to customer satisfaction and like money savings, right? So it's the performance of the business and there's proxies for making money, but it's all kind of in that area. And it seems like the way things are set up, it's really hard to tie those business metrics back to what the 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 product team is doing. Well, so now I think we get to the meat of something. That's something that we've talked about quite a bit is that um, the division between the technical branch silo and, and the business silo. You know, if you, if you want to measure the, the technology, your technologists by how they're by business outcomes, they have to know what the business outcomes are and, and, and they have to, and, and pe- there has to, has to be coordination. And so you could like, there could be a, a, an overarching business strategy, right? We need in the next five years to increase our revenue by X in order to do that. We need these things, these technical steps made so that our products can do Y, right? And then you can measure your, your, your steps to, toward that. But everyone has to be very coordinated to do that, right? Everyone has to be, uh, they, they have to know, they have to be on the same mission, be on the same team. Um, but what you see, what we talked about quite a bit, is you see technology teams just working on their own stuff. You know, they're building their own internet platform or they're building Kubernetes from scratch, from source code, and it's not tied to anything in the business. You know, at best, they've got a, if we build it, they will come sort of mentality. And then you can't measure that. That that you you can't measure that, and that's a problem. Um, so until you fix that, getting the the KPIs correct so that you can measure and reward your technical staff correctly, it's impossible. You know, thinking historically, right? Like in the two thousands, the mid two thousands, we really solidified this idea of IT as a service or a utility, and like that we're providing projects or we're providing lines. The problem with that, and I, you know, a lot of this is probably driven by like outsourcing trends as well, right? Like, like 
and and this mentality of we can just have it like ship us a box of computer and it will it will like help us run the business and then it's completely unattached from like it helping you do things and it kind of creates this thing of like you don't there is you, you totally sever that connection. Hey, can, can, I, can, I, can I say something that you're not going to agree with? I think. Okay. I, an, another thing that I think is responsible is, is the, the move to, to agile development. So there's, there's, there's a part of, of agile software development that can turn into ticket taking. Yeah. Right. And, and if you get into a ticket, so you're doing, ah, this is what are the, your only involvement intellectually is, is doing t-shirt sizes for your tickets and then writing your ticket and, and doing it that way means that you as a technologist have a much smaller view of everything going on. And that, you know, and, and I've, well, there's so many great things in, in these new modern ways of development. That has always been a concern to me that, that we are turning technologists in, into something that is not holistic. Like they don't have a holistic view on anything. They yeah. just take their, and then then we measure them by how many tickets they do. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. That, 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 so that's, that's, we measure them and compensate them and turn them into ticket takers. And that's one of my concerns. You, you've hit upon, like, I mean, I agree with you that the, the, uh, I think the major like problem that like agile think has had since its inception, like 20 years ago was it lost the connection to, let's just call it the customer. It built, to and and you know whatever it means it's a passive way of putting it but like what ended up happening <laughs> is <laughs> is there was still like this shield between the business or the customer and the development team and there were even like norms if you will that you kind of see in developers and even product managers about how developers can't tell the product manager developers can't say what the requirements are and the requirements can't de- tell developers how to implement the code. Like this is an old, like all the way back to the pragmatic programmer type of think of like the job of whoever's giving you the requirements is not to tell you how to implement it. And converse, mm-hmm. I'm repeating myself, but conversely, as a developer, you cannot make business suggestions. Somehow like that notion of developers being independent and not really having to use like another Talabian term, like skin in the game of the business, like has persisted for a while. And then I think you, so, so then going all the way back to like the extremely boring origin of like extreme programming, like one of the, the original agile things, right. It came from, (laughs) this is a boring part. It came from working on the HR system at Chrysler. (laughs) Right. And, and what, what happened in there is like, they they did all the agile things that we talk about nowadays. They had one big room that was probably like, you know, cold and wet because they would trudge in snow. And they had like someone from HR like sitting there, like telling them like, here's what we need in the system. This works and doesn't work. So there was this very strong connection to the customer. And eventually the person from HR is never there, right? That that person just, you get a proxy, you get a product owner, you get a product manager and on, and you get separated and separated until to your point, what you've done is you you have a backlog full of tickets and, and like you're very, you're following agile practices, but like somehow you're disconnected from like the business being agile, which- Well, and the big, you're disconnected from the big picture, right? So, you know, as, a, as they can they can be a part of- the solution 
a part of 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 the deciding what the strategy is. And I've I've always felt that um, if things are t- too top down, that that doesn't work well. Starting mm. with vision, right? That that um, and we're getting a little bit off topic. We'll get back to conversation, but but that that uh, you should as as a leader, you should have a vision, and that as you go down your organization everyone gets to add to that vision until the vision is complete at the bottom. That's something I've, I've always, and then, then you end up with the, the strongest thing. In the last two weeks, I've had two conversations with organizations that want to start contributing to open source. What is this? Well, how is this about compensation you say? Well, um, <laughs> they, their primary reason for, for participating and contributing to open source is to keep their developers happy. And, and, and they're very, very concerned. They're concerned about legal implications and licenses and copyrights, but they want to do this. The reason they're talking to me, the reason they've reached out is because they're afraid they're going to lose their developers. And so that, that's another kind of compensation. And it's one that I think works after you meet the pay. It's one that, that, that works really well with technologists is, you know, let them, let them, it's 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 really kind of like what what we're doing, right? Doing these podcasts lets us get our ideas out there, lets other people hear what we think, and it's the same with open source. I think the developers want to get out there, and they see they they want to they want to show their 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 work. And one of the things that I think has been a bane of the the enterprise software developer is that they've you know they're in a basement, right? They, the the stuff they do. No, they don't get credit for, no one sees, it's not highly valued. Out in the open source world, they think they can be valued. And I, I think that is something that, and the people that, you know, that you mentioned earlier that want to pay people less, uh, th- they see that as an opportunity too. And it is, it is an opportunity. Yeah. You know, I, so I, I think on that topic, I mean, I think that's, that widens the, uh, the aperture. Do you like, do you like that silly uh, <laughs> idiom there of, uh, of like compensation? I think I think it is it's the it's the the perfect mi- mix of easy to give and extremely valuable to the person you give it to, right? Which is to 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 add to what you're saying there, it's really hard as a developer to manage your career. And and the reason it's really hard is you start if I'm saying this correctly, you start at a very high floor, right? So you start at like I don't know, $60,000 a year. I don't know what people get paid, but you get paid a lot at the beginning, right? And it's no one, like you said, not only you're in a base, are you in a basement, but no one really understands what you do or how to measure it, <laughs> right? Like now a whole a whole other topic, you know, we'll talk about sometime is like people understand toxic hero culture, which is like things go wrong all the time and this person fixes it, which which as we know from lots of self-reflection is usually a circular cycle, right? It's usually your heroes, just like in ancient Greek mythology, the heroes are really the ones who cause their own problems, right? Like the, <laughs> the, the gods do some philandering and then some heroes get involved and they just like, no one can help themselves. And they cause, if, if everyone had just calmed down and like taken baths in olive oil and enjoyed the races and not worried about stealing princesses and stuff, it would have been cool, but oh no, you got to turn into a swan and all sorts of stuff. And so, <laughs> um, so there, there's that, right? Like problem solvers that bring, bring you out of a crisis can get compensated because you notice them. But otherwise, like, and this is also a problem in tech companies. We're not that great at it really uh, either. But it's hard for a technical, for a programmer to 
manage their career. And I think one of the primary reasons is they're like troglodytes. Like they have, there's no visibility, right? Like there is nothing, there is no record of them in public. So getting involved in open source gives them a resume item, right? And and not like a throwaway resume, resume item, but a, a real accomplishment that makes them better career-wise, right? And so it's worth the time as part of as part of your technical people's compensation. It's worth the time to spend three to six months with your lawyers <laughs> and <laughs> and and you know your IP people and people who like freak out about that kind of stuff and be like, it's really okay if we release a wrapper for editing YAML for sidecars and Kubernetes, right? Like like we as a soap company, we have no value in that, and so we should we should allow people to do that. Right. And, and it's a little bit of a cheat because it's at Netflix, which is sort of a tech company, sort of not a tech, like depending, anyways, people would call it a tech company, but like a lot of the open source stuff they do is like in this vein, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like, it's really important to us as, as Netflix or Etsy or whatever that we allow our developers to do what a lot of them think the normal thing would be to do. And just like open source the stuff and spend time on it. And it can be a, a huge part of compensation uh, that you give people. But, you know, just like, just like any compensation, you want to drive behavior. So you need to know what you want. Yes. Right. Just like uh, you, you need to know like what, so a a well thought out plan to open source things so that your developers know what to do is important. And you, it, you, you, what I've seen in companies is they get really tied into uh, what is intellectual property and what isn't. And, and not figuring that out ahead of time. But that's a different, that's a different podcast. Um, we can talk about open source some other time, which we should, by the way, because I'm having interesting conversations uh, about. Open yeah. Source yeah. I, I mean, I mean, as, as a, uh, as a book into that, like, I think, I think to your point, there's a lot of like large organizations finally thinking about open source in a much different way. Right. Like mm-hmm. and in a much different way than just sort of like free software that they have. And really, like, I mean, basically, the issue is, I think, that everything is open source now, everything beyond the, that thin layer of the actual application. And mm-hmm. a significant amount of business logic is still not like open source. Like you can't go, you know, get an open source retail system necessarily. I mean, you can get something that does the, the retail, but it's not going to figure out your competitive advantage in, in the retail space. Yeah. And so All, like companies have to figure out how to like operate in that area. So what, you know, it, it feels to me like this move to open source as a kind of compensation, a, a way to keep employees. It's, it's just another example of uh, enterprises following the lead of the startups in Silicon Valley. Like, you know, th- there's been a, bu- a bunch of that. There's been, you know, doing open source. There's been flex hours. There's been working from home. There's been, I, I feel like there has been an attempt in enterprise to copy what they see as successful in Silicon Valley, in the startups, right? They, yeah. I don't think they normally get it right, but I think that's what they're trying to do. I mean, uh, the, the, I'm seeing more and more in, in the enterprise of the kind of um, benefits that that you would expect if you were in a, if you were in a startup, the kind of ways of of, of working. Um, I I don't see that. One of the things that uh, that I think is bad is I think they're just 
copying and pasting and <laughs> sure. and and they're not tying it to their goals which is you know what we started at the, at the beginning is that you need to know what you're trying to do and then you need to compensate people to drive the behavior so that you can achieve your goals and while a lot of the things are great and open source is great and it's, it it does help you retain your employees how was all of this tied back to your goals how was all this tied back to your business yeah. if 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 you're if you're not tying your technology strategy back to your business strategy then it you're, you're failing right and 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 i and you know i mean to 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 narrow down more i mean i think i think you've you've hit on something that like i i don't like put into words very much and that is there is there is a certain amount of how do I actually get people to do things that doesn't get talked about, spoken about very much. And I think, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like, we almost, I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but in, in America, we almost have a bias against Machiavellian thinking, <laughs> right? Where, where you're sort of like, even Machiavelli is like a bad word. It implies like sinisterness and things like mm-hmm. that. But really, it's I more, was about to say, I think the U.S. is really Machiavellian right now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you, but, I, you know, you know, in, in, in this world of like, you know, digital transformation and culture and mm. DevOps and stuff like you're always very like um, generative and, and, and fun thinking. Right. Like like I always I always maybe part of like my my mind grading against like compensation in this discussion is like you have to sit down and have a discussion of like. So to get these individuals to change their behavior, how much are we going to pay them? Or like, what different compensation are we going to give them? Because my sense is that a lot of what managers and executives think is going to happen is that we're going to change over to doing things in this new way, which we have read is wonderful and awesome and raises morale because the DevOps report tells us that, you know, people get less burned out and they're happier at their work. And that goodness is compensation enough. (laughs) <laughs> right like that mm. the the prospect of having a better more fulfilling work environment will be enough to motivate people to go through the work of changing over to it right i mean it's my old it's my old dentist thing uh, right like the dentist just tells you that you will have a life of of less teeth falling out of your head if you just start flossing today and you're just like sounds great sounds great and then you don't floss right like it's just like and and it feels like there's not enough discussion of like all right in a in a in a uh kind machiavellian way so what's the playbook for for things i give people what treats do i give them to make them actually change <laughs> right and and you know we've hit on we've hit on three so far one of them is money just straight up salary that's always good right like you could be like oh we don't pay market rates and so we should use raises and bonuses as a way when people one to retain them and when people do things the way that we like we we give them bonuses or or raises or whatever so we need to work on that better and then two we can also give them uh like equity that kind of ties into overall performance and then three like one of them that is like non-monetary is we should really cultivate man helping people manage their career through generating fame through open source mm-hmm. right and you know never minding all the other positive benefits of open source or whatever but directly tied to like like for example on the last one right like 
to use a very like, you know, in our world of uh, pivotal Tanzu, whatever, right? Like if we want our operations people to think more like SRE people, which means they're building systems that developers use and they're building them as a product. If we allow them to open source some of those systems that they're using, one, that's good for what the behavior that we want to achieve. And then two, it allows them to show off their value. So it gives them something in return that if they were just to use the word again, because I don't get to use it very much. They were just some troglodyte. They were just some Morlock down <laughs> in the caves that no one realized that they could do this. If they go give talks on it, that is a valuable piece of compensation that, uh, that we can give them. But it's almost like the sense that I get is there's not enough discussion of like, what are these things that we can give people? Well, and it ends up being things about that aren't tied to the business, right? So even if you're talking about the operations people, they end up judging them by tickets, by the amount of down. And, and while that can be a part of a business strategy, hey, we have a problem with this, it's, you, it's not easy to see when you're in the trenches how the things that you're doing relate to the success of the company you're in. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I think that they're really missing an opportunity, by they, I mean, most enterprises, of people being motivated by seeing the, the effect that their work is having. Uh, and I, I think that's a, a huge, I mean, maybe it's just me. Maybe I like to see the effect of my work, but yeah, I, no, that's good. I, I think that, you know, if you're a, uh, if you're a code monkey or you, you're the troll living in the basement, I think seeing what that, that, that the things you do are making your company successful or, or adding to that, to that success, that gives you pride. And pride yeah. is compensation too, right? It's the same thing that the open source stuff can can do. That you know, going from troll to rock star, um, basement troll to rock star. That that's the opportunity. But I think seeing that taking pride in your company, um, and I see I see companies trying to do that with silly mantras and names and these little programs that that I don't tend to like. But I'd rather see rather than feeling like I'm part of a group. Um, I want to see the effect that my work has. But, yeah, but yeah. That that's also because I get paid enough. You know, that, so we, we <laughs> I've met some of the other. I've, I've got paid enough. I've done open source uh, in in the little in the pyramid. I'm you know near the near the top. So I want these things that make me feel fulfilled, not the things that put food on my table. Although I I, I do like money. Um, and I like food a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, no, I, I think, I think you, I know, I think you've hit on another thing, which is, which is to put it in very tactical terms, shortening the feedback loop of seeing what effect your technical work has, what, what effect your technical work has on the business. Right. Which is to say, right. Like, uh, like what's, what's an example, right. Uh, you did this work and that means that we could sell more insurance over here, right? Like, I mean, that's, that sounds kind of boring, but it's like, there was a direct effect on your code. Like one, someone is using your code, right? Like you wrote something and there's like 5,000 people using it, right? And these 5,000 people are actually like doing something. Like I would imagine, I would imagine like when, uh, what's an example? Like, uh, uh, like, like banking is an interesting example, right? Like if, if you're involved in some aspect of banking that gets some notoriety, then you probably feel some pride in it. Like over here in the Netherlands, I'm sure, you know, you use this, there's something called uh, Tiki, which is mm-hmm. basically like 
listeners in America, their mind will be blown by this. I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess there's like Venmo and stuff, but like, I, I like to set this context, but for you people, ate one of my French fries. You're going to get a ticky. <laughs> that's right. But, but like people in the U S I mean, there's a reason Venmo and PayPal and all these things exist is that transferring money between two bank accounts is like near impossible to do in a casual way. It's like very, I don't even care why it's stupidly difficult. Right. Whereas over here, like you can basically scan a QR code and you're done, right? Like, and of course it's secure. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, of course all these things are fine. But like, I would imagine the people who worked on and work on this ticky thing were basically you really, it's really easy. Like they're like, oh yeah, I did that, right? Or like, or like over here, there's uh, the biggest grocery store chain is Albert Hein. And they've got a great like omni-channel way of doing things. You can use their app and you can do this. And I bet, I bet the developer, well, hopefully the developers who work on that is like, yeah, I'm the one who worked on the thing that you can scan barcodes in your refrigerator and then it shows up at your door the next day, right? Like, so it is, it is, if you can sort of prove out to developers that they have done this work, that is a certain amount of like pride that I think pays off. You know, it's it's also about recognition. So I I am sure that technologists that, that are listening to this have been in situations where they've done a lot of work creating a product, gone to an all hands meeting and seen the, salespeople were recognized for the product that they created. Yes. And, Uh, and, and so you see that they're very good at recognizing people's achievements on one side, but they're very bad at recognizing it on the the technology side. And so they they just don't, they don't tie that to the success as much. I mean, I I know that there are outliers, people that do a great job, but in general, I, I, I don't see it. That it's like you actually captured it in a way that I hadn't thought of at the beginning is that IT is a service, man. That's how they look at it. It's <laughs> right, a service. Right, right. It's not part of the business, right? They, they, they also don't, they, they don't uh, recognize their cleaning service. The, 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 and I think in some businesses, IT has been relegated to about the importance of a cleaning service. It's important because, you know, you, you need clean things, but um it's not exciting. It's not part of what they do, but yeah, they're wrong. Yeah. They're yeah, wrong. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, and you know, uh, another analogy, I mean, that's built right into it is like, you know, electricity, right? Like, like without electricity, nothing works. <laughs> right. And so like electricity is, is extremely necessary. Right. But no one, you know, no one like celebrates electricity's role in their business. <laughs> like there is, there is no recognition of the fundamental contribution that electricity makes. <laughs> it's, it's just like a service that you get. It's not a big deal. And, and I think, I think that's, that's the, 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 the mental flaw that's happened with this, you know, it as a service and utility is, is we've been reduced to electricity where there's no, there's no, at most, the person who wrote those requirements, who had the ideas that were implemented by the developers, they're, they're the lowest rung of people who get celebrated, right? And even mm-hmm. they don't really get celebrated because they're celebrated because they're like a business analyst whose stated job was to interpret what the, the business unit wanted, right? Like the business analyst is the one who like listens to all the BU people and then translates it into stuff that the tech people understand. So they're just like a conduit, basically. They're like the plug in your wall, not, not, not anything again to be celebrated. Um, but yeah, it is, there should be that recognition, right? And that's the key word, right? Like that's another form of compensation that companies should give their technical people. And I think, 
you know, to, to kind of like shade gradient into another, another area of compensation that I see people using is like, I think of, uh, I think of this, this company Duke energy that like does most of the energy for the Southeastern part of the U S and I haven't talked to them maybe for a year and a half, but they were doing a lot to basically, you know, they built out this whole separate unit based on like, you know, everyone in, everyone in one room is the wrong way of putting it, but based on like a tech startup way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And they had a very like, um, they called it Optimist Hall, which is nice. But they, you know, they shifted things over to more of a like, everyone has a hand on the tiller of determining what we're doing. And they even start to move to that ideal that we talk about a lot, which is like, the team working on the product starts to determine how we implement these features and they start to understand what customers do and they start to actually implement how the business functions through software. Right. And I think, I think, I think this, the first stage is like bringing in that feedback loop of like, Hey, developers or whoever you wrote this code six months ago and look at the, like people actually use it and look at the effect that it has. Right. So you should know, that what you wrote does something. And then the next level above that is in the, you know, at a corporate level, like at the all hands meeting or whatever thing you have to deal with, like, you know, you tell the whole company, these developers worked on this stuff, right? Like they innovated something and like a lot of the work is due to them. And then I think an even another level is like, all right, now you have like a very close feedback loop of like, you are making business decisions and determining what's happening. So like you're, you're, you're dealing with the customers. So you're getting your self-recognizing. That sounds mm. like a bunch of psycho babble, <laughs> but like, but like, you don't have to have someone come and tell you that six months later you had an effect. You see that effect firsthand. And it hopefully is a lot more fulfilling than just like, you know, I closed the ticket in three days <laughs> or, or, or whatever. Hopefully. But you know, I still feel like that recognition, um, from leadership is super, super important. Only, you know, if, if only because, we hear others getting recognition for, for sure. the things they've done. And, and, you know, I think that drives, you know, we talk about how people aren't aligned, the, the business and technology is not aligned and, and, and about how the, the silos are, are separate. And I, that's, that just drives that a wedge between them. Uh, that just makes it, makes it worse. So, you know, figuring out a way to measure. So you, you need to know, how your technology is affecting your business. Your technology, first of all, needs to be a part of your business strategy. And then when that strategy is executed, you need to be able to measure whether it worked. And then you need to be able to reward and recognize. What's some stuff people should do? Well, you know, I, I think that a lot of that depends on the culture of the, of the company, how they're recognizing others. But I think it should be equitable. You know, if, if, uh, if a salesperson sold $10 million worth of the service that you helped create, um, their recognition shouldn't be significantly different from your recognition. Hmm. It, it, you know, I, I think that they, they it, while it, while it's difficult for some of us basement dwellers to come out and stand on the stage and, and have the CEO point to us and thank us. I think that's important. Yeah. I think that's important. I, and you know, you, we talked about um, cleaning services and you mentioned an, an, an electricity and uh, those are things that don't change. Those are things that, that aren't ever bespoke. And, you know, yeah. 
one of the mistakes we make, I think, is thinking that technology is that. And that's not what you need these days. You need technology that, that is bespoke, technology that adapts. Technology, your technologists have to look at the business and they have to make decisions. And if they're a part of things, let's say, let's say someone just, someone's writing a function. And because they understand the business and the technology, they can write that function in a more flexible way so that the next time, so, the, so that the next step is easier to do. You know, they, they've written it in a queue in such a way that, that they don't have to rewrite it when you get to the, the second stage of your business strategy. But they have to mm. understand that. If all they're doing is taking tickets and that ticket said make a queue, maybe they don't do it right because they're disconnected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe to use one of my, one of my examples that I'm always wrong in, which, which means I'll just double down and keep using it. Like if you are building an omni-channel retail thing, it would be an astute technical understanding to say, I need a generic inventory checking system, right? Like I'm not going to build an inventory checking system that's just for curbside pickup or mm-hmm. an inventory checking system that's just for delivery. Like I need to really think about like, how could I make it super easy to hook this up to the, I forget how many Gartner has, mm-hmm. eight to 12 different channels, right? Like, and even though the, the following is kind of idealized for performance reasons and stuff, right? Like in theory, the same inventory checking system that you use in a cash register is kind of the same one you use for curbside pickup is kind of the same one. And if we do that correctly, technically, we will have a lot of strategic agility and optionality in the future, right? And it seems like getting that kind of system in place and and then equally importantly, like I think another thing that people don't recognize about technical achievement is the long-term sustainability of it, right? Like it's one thing to like solve that problem once, but then five years later we can use it and we don't have to completely rewrite it, <laughs> right? Like, so like we actually get a lot of use out of that architecture and we don't have to constantly be like rewriting it because mm-hmm. like, it was written in some archaic way, but I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a, a great example, but it would be nice to recognize people for like, they made a wise technical decision that bought us a lot of success in business because we, we didn't have to keep paying for this technical thing over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're, before we run out of time, there's one other thing I was thinking about with compensation back to money. Things like something I've seen done wrong is, uh, so it, today, the, the technology workforce is, is global, right? It's not, it's not local, especially if you want good talent. And everyone says they want good talent. That's why they're open sourcing and trying to keep their good talent. Um, right, right. It's, so, it's sort of like who would say they want mediocre or bad talent. It's like, you <laughs> but know. but, but um, you know, I'm seeing, let's say if you're, you're running your data center and you have your technologist in Dubuque, Iowa, right? And I, I've never been to Dubuque, Iowa. So if I'm if I'm insulting anyone, I I, I apologize. Um, you want to attract technologists, but what HR thinks is that this is a cheaper place to live than San Francisco. Mm, yeah, we're going to pay them forty percent less. And this is not an exaggeration. I've seen this. Yeah, we're going to yeah. pay them forty percent less. You're going to attract the right people, these right technologists, these superstars, and they're going to come here and move to Dubuque, Iowa, or some other place, Ames, Iowa. That's that's where 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> these are the two major cities that you would move to if you're yes, a technologist. Aim, they yes. happen to both be in Iowa. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and I think Ames, Iowa, is where Captain Kirk is from. So that's just, um, oh, yeah. So yeah, throwing in a geeky reference there. Um, and the, the, but the, the, you know that that's not working because from a technologist's point of view, the cost of living matters less than the amount of jobs that are that exist somewhere yeah so it in in reality if you want if you want me to move to uh, a rural farmland place to do a technical job you need to pay me more not because i don't want to live there but because there's no other jobs <laughs> like there, there's there might not be other opportunities for me so i need to make sure that i'm protected i need to make sure i, I have to move somewhere to get another job yeah yeah and that that was I have I have discussed this with multiple companies that didn't get it because there's a standard way for deciding how much someone is paid in a large company. And HR they they hire they outsource to other companies this salary report and it says well in Ames Iowa this is what uh, assistant administrator yeah, is yeah, paid. Yeah yeah yeah. No, but, I, and I think yeah. I think both of us I mean, you know, I I for most of my life lived in Austin and you you know, you've lived in uh, Atlanta and St. Louis and many other places, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not like uh, Bay Area or even Seattle people, right? And so, mm-hmm. I mean, we face, I've faced this many times, right? Where people are like, oh, for your region, like, you know, you, you get paid this amount because it's not like, you know, the Bay Area. And, you know, I remember when this came out a while ago on, on my other, one of my other podcasts, Software Defined Talk, like I just went on a rant about how like, like Facebook had this thing where like, you won't have to come into the office and you can move away, but we're going to adjust your pay accordingly. And like, for even Facebook to like have that mentality that like, so what we've just told everyone is we are going to give them a demotion, right? We're going to give them a pay cut. Right. And it's just sort of like the logic of paying Mercer a bunch of money to give you a spreadsheet that says like, according to this County, here's what you should pay these people is just like, it doesn't make any sense. It's sort of like, well, can we move your entire executive suite to Ames too and, and adjust their compensation accordingly? Like, and it's, it's disingenuous. Yeah. Facebook yeah. saves money from people working from home. I mean, yeah. the, like, like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to spend less and pay you less. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it's, and, it's a win-win for us, man. Right. Right. And, and I mean, I mean, you, I, I've, I've had the same conversation with people and uh, let's call it the, the metaphoric middle America, uh, you know, and, and other places where, where they have problem recruiting. And and you see this in survey after survey after survey of Kubernetes or whatever, right? Like our one of our one of our top three problems is skills, right? And skills is there's I mean, there's three main problems of a skills shortage, which one I think is like this is complicated stuff and it's hard to do. Two, like we don't want to spend money on training. We don't want to spend money and time on training. And three, we can't hire the right people. Right. Like we can't hire people who already know this or who are fast learners. And and like if you want to attract them to a geographic zone that you're having problem uh, hiring from, there's like something called supply and demand. And mm-hmm. what it means is you are not paying people enough. Right. Like it's just like the most basic economic principle is if, you, if you're not getting what you want, it means you're not offering enough money for it. And but so, I, I have I've had zero success trying to fix this problem. Yeah, I've, yeah, for I've sure. gone to HR and they just they 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 bring out this paperwork said, look, we paid this company and they told us this is what you should pay people. I'm like, well, yeah, but they're 
basing that on the talent that you don't want. They're basing that on what's here in this non-IT area, and you want to attract the best. You say everyone says they want the best. I, I actually think it's better. So I, I was at a company, and they were saying, hey, we want the best. And I said, N you know, we're not actually behaving like we want the best. Let's just say we want 60 to 75% of, the, of the, the skills of the best, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, and let's be honest with what we want, then maybe we can be honest with our compensation. But if you want the best, if you want to hire rock stars that can work anywhere, then you have to pay the global rate. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, and, you don't even need rock stars. You can just have, you know, third string musicians. That's fine too. But they, they, <laughs> Well, that's what most people need because, you know, to, to be honest, the 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 egos of most rock stars you can't fit more than one and two in a room exactly or, or else there's not enough room yeah, for yeah. the for their heads but what you need is a couple because they motivate other people right if you've got a couple of great developers a couple of great technologists they attract other talent and other people want to work with them so there's there's there are reasons to hire those people and they have value outside of just the code they write yeah, 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 yeah. But, no, that, that's 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 a that's a good closing the loop of all the way back to money. And I and I think I think the so so let me let me try to summarize a little bit. One, as always, part part of of the misaligned incentives, as it were. I think I think the core theory is that like if you're looking to transform or you're looking to change or you're looking to improve, that means you're not satisfied with what you're currently doing. <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's always remember that you're not satisfied with what you're currently doing. So that means you need to do things differently. And in the area of compensation, like the way that you're paying people and you're compensating them is the way that you're currently doing things. So you need to change it. <laughs> and so like on this specific example, if when you open up the Mercer spreadsheet, that's the way you're currently doing things and you don't like the results. <laughs> or like if you are not allowing, if you're not allowing, if you're not encouraging people to... Uh, gain fame and recognition in open source, or you're not giving them recognition at a company level, that's the way you're currently doing things and you do not like the results. So you should change it and on and on and on down the compensation path. And I think, I think like you can't just, when it comes to compensation, you can't just fall back on, well, that's how we do things. <laughs> like you have to look at, you have to look at all aspects of, of, of the system that you're building and really like figure out if, uh, if you need to change them instead of just, you know, using the excuse that that's that compensation is some other thing uh, that uh, we don't really need to worry about. So yet another problem solved. <laughs> Did we solve it? Because uh, we, we certainly mentioned a lot of the problems. Um, yeah, yeah. The, well, the solutions aren't easy and the solutions are, are, you know, are custom. They're bespoke things, I think exactly. based on your industry and your culture, but, uh, People are doing it wrong and your technologists in most enterprises aren't happy. And if you want to be modern and, and you want to, to show that software and technology is now a part of your business, an integral part, then you need to change how you, how you treat and compensate your technical employees. Very true. All right. Well, I think that's a good spot to end. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.